a brother. Amen. Never leave us nor forsake us. And in the mess our country's in, we need it. Amen. I know you saw the news today. Your heart's heavy for those who haven't. Uh, it's been a tragic day of destruction in our country. Uh, as you've read about, someone opened up a fire, at, uh, opened uh, gunfire at a church down in Texas and uh, killed 20 plus folks, including the pastor's daughter. Uh, and a whole slew of others. It's a crazy, crazy world that we live in today, folks. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Uh, let's pray tonight for our services, asking God to put a special touch upon those dear folks at First Baptist down in Texas, and asking God to bless our services tonight. Lord, we come to you this night. Lord, we got heavy hearts because of our brothers and sisters who are suffering tonight. Lord, whether it's one or 101, we understand that the taking of a life is foolishness. Lord, we understand that it's a wicked, wicked world that we live in. Lord, I can't imagine the pain that that church is feeling, but Lord, other churches have gone through it. Other societies are facing it. Lord, we understand that things are going to get worse and worse. You've told us plainly to Timothy that in the last days, perilous times will come. Lord, I believe they're staring us right smack dab in the face. Lord, that just means that we're closer to the day when you come and get us out of here. Lord, how much we're looking forward to the sound of the trumpet, the voice of the archangel, the shout of God. Lord, I pray that you'd bless us now as we look into our service tonight, that you'd open up scripture for us, that you'd strengthen us. Lord, uh, we're going to look at a topic tonight that's so real for all of us, and so we need your help. Bless now in our, our, our time tonight. We'll thank you and praise you. In Christ's name, let's stay standing. Brother Ken, come get us a song. We'll fellowship with each other. Today's number 46 tonight. I'd rather be an old-time Christian. We'll do the first verse and chorus, sing it one time through, have a time of fellowship. Hymn number 46.
so much. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm telling you, if my wife did not quit playing, y'all would shake hands for three and a half hours. Amen. Nine o'clock tonight, somebody would be wanting dinner, and y'all would still be shaking hands. Amen. Normally, I can't find a bulletin to remember the day's announcements, but somehow I ended up with six up here tonight, so I think I'm good. Uh, just a quick reminder. Uh, again, uh, thank you for those that stayed all day today. I sure appreciate it. Lord bless you for your faithfulness. Reminder that Christmas child boxes due this Wednesday night. Uh, if you can include the $9 shipping, we appreciate it. If not, we have taken up enough money to pay for it, so no worries on that. And then also those ladies that are able and would be interested helping us on Saturday uh, to pack those boxes in 30, right, Miss Pam? 10, 10, I'm sorry. Yeah, I got six bulletins, but I can't find. There's the back, on the back of the bulletin. There we go. Uh, who want to help Saturday at 10 o'clock downstairs in the Child Care Center, and we'll put that out on, on our call system as well. All right, fellas, make your way down tonight. Brother Cassidy, you come get ready to sing for us this evening. If you haven't worshiped the Lord with tithes and offerings, you do that now. God will bless you for doing that. I'm going to ask God's blessings on the offering. Lord, bless the offering tonight. It be what you'd have it to be. Bless Brother Cassidy as he sings. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to worship you tonight. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us in Christ's name. Amen. I remember days as just a child. I would.
to that. Thank you, Brother Cassidy. Brother Eddie, come on up here for just a second, if you would. Update us, update us on where you've been and what you got to do there on the mission field. Take a couple of minutes, uh, if you would, please, and let us know what happened there on the mission field. I love you, buddy, and we're honored to support you, honored that you're out of our church, and so I want you to give the folks an update on where you've been and what you've done. Most of you know, I whole week. People, it's bad out there. We went in and directed the electrical in a couple of churches, and we worked on six individual houses. And people, it really worked on my heart. But so much went on while I was in Houston. In the area that I was working in, we had six murders. In the area, I've told several of you about what's going on out there. Last Tuesday, we had three women get in an argument. Two of them pulled guns, killed one of the ladies, and then shot each other twice. Had a boy trying to steal a man's car. He got knocked down. He come back up with a 357 Magnum into face of a Texas Ranger, and the Texas Ranger had to kill him right there on the spot. Then hear about what we did today, what was done today out there. I got a phone call and said, uh, was you in Southern Springs? I said, no, I was in Spring, uh, Texas. Uh, I said I was on the east side of Houston. That was on the west side of Houston, out towards San Antonio. And people, uh, these people's lost everything they've had. They're stealing like crazy. They got me for about eight to nine hundred dollars worth of tools. But the church I was staying in, they got them for about forty-five hundred dollars worth of tools. And they were uh, even stole the siding off the building that they stole all of the machinery and stuff out of. I've never seen anything as bad as this in my life. But people's under bridges and uh, Vietnam veterans, Afghan veterans, Desert Storm veterans under bridges, families under bridges, they're on the interstate. And people, I, I want to tell you, I use God's money very wisely, but I was also very lenient with it too. I went, to, bought food, I bought 37 boxes of at Kentucky Fried Chicken, $5 meals, 37 uh, cups of tea, and carried it back out on the interstate. And then people come out because they had no money and they was hungry. And state um, Texas Ranger pulled in behind me there on the interstate. I wasn't supposed to be on the inside lane, pulled off the side of the road, but these, I couldn't cross six lanes of traffic running 75 miles an hour with 37 meals in my hand. So, and... He said, do you have a problem? And I said, yes, sir, I have a problem with all these homeless people out here under bridges and stuff. And I told him what I was doing. He said, well, you just be careful trying to get back into traffic. People, it's sad out there. I went to Lowe's, and this one family, I'll tell you about this, and then I'll get, uh, get off of here. Uh, the house I was working on, I went to buy some material. And this man and his wife and five little boys come up, and they had six pieces of four-by-eight drywall and two bundles of insulation. So I started a conversation with them on the damage to their house, and I says, you don't have much damage to your house if that's all the material you need. He says, no, sir, bowed his head, and he says, this is all I can afford. And he said, I'm trying to make my bathrooms private because everything is tore off in the house four foot up. So I asked him, did he mind if I followed him home and measured his house? So I followed him home, measured the house, and paid for all the material. Him and his brother's going to put their house back together. But while I was there, they did not have one item of furniture in the house. And I asked him, I said, are y'all staying in the house? He says, we have nowhere else to go. And they were sleeping on damp concrete floors with beach towels laying over them. And people, I, I, I make no apologies for it. I went to the mattress factory and I bought five twin bed box springs and a full-size bed of box springs. Give them to this family. We bought block and plywood and got them up off the con concrete. Uh, I make no apologies for not buying building material. 
It was a judgment call. It was a judgment call on buying people food. People out there didn't even have toilet paper and broke. And I bought a lot. But when I ran out of money last week, I told them there's three reasons a man goes home. I said, one, is he runs out of money. I said, two, if he married his barber and he needs a haircut. And I said, three, is when your wife snaps her finger and says, come home. You go home. Three of those guys. Amen. Thank you, Brother Eddie. Appreciate you. Appreciate that, Brother Eddie. Psalm 73 tonight, if you would, please, church. Psalm 73, and what Brother Eddie just shared with us parlays directly into the message tonight. It is devastating when we look at the circumstances, situation around us, how so many of good people, how many of God's people, how many of the choicest of people seem to suffer some of the worst debilitating circumstances. Psalm 73 asks the question that has been asked for centuries. And it is the title of the message tonight. It'll probably take us two or three weeks to get through it. It seems to be everything I'm putting together recently has been a series instead of a message. But I want you to understand that as we unpack these things and try to take apart what Scripture shares with us, the question that permeates is a question that's been asked over and over and over. It's the same question that David asked in Psalm 37. And now Asaph is going to ask in Psalm 73, and it is simply this, why do the righteous suffer? Why do God's people seem to suffer in such debilitating and devastating circumstances? Let's you and I play a little game for a second. Let's be God for just a minute. You want to join me? Let's be God for just a second. I say that respectfully. But if you had the opportunity to play God for just a moment, who would you bless? Would you bless those that love the Lord and serve God and did their very best to please him? Or would you bless the wicked and the ungodly and those who walked away and seemed to curse God? Which of those two would you bless, A or B? Most of us would. It's a no-brainer. But I challenge you tonight to oftentimes look at the situation, circumstances around us, and it seems that sometimes many of God's best suffer the most. Why? Why does that happen? It is a question that is not new. It is a question that we won't ever get to the bottom of, but we will certainly look at together, and is one that has plagued minds for years. Look at what Asaph writes in Psalm 73, verse number 1. Truly God is good to Israel. We could stop right there and say amen. In fact, we could say truly God is good and stop right there and say amen. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Why? Verse 3. For I was envious at the foolish... When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I think it takes a bold man like Asaph, and we'll talk a little bit about who he was and how he got to this place and some of the situations around his life. But it takes a pretty bold man to stand up and say, I got in a bad place. I got in a dire circumstance because when I looked at how seemingly the most wicked and seemingly those who cursed God the loudest, how they seemed to prosper, it really did a number on me. Jesus himself addressed this. You don't have to turn, but Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, he said, For he maketh sun to rise on the evil and on the sound, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. If Jesus addresses it, you know it's something that we're going to deal with. 
You know it's something that we are going to face. It's not an Old Testament dilemma. It's not a New Testament dilemma. It is a real-life, everyday trial that we face. Why do seemingly the best people suffer and some of the wickedest people seem to get off scot-free? Think with me for just a second. There are three primary areas of life where we look at in terms of blessings. When we look at these things, we tend to think these are areas in which somebody is blessed or they're not blessed. Quickly, there is this idea of financial prosperity. And I submit to you tonight that when you look at the wealthiest people in the world, people who are not millionaires but are billionaires several times over, it seems that very few of them are godly. In fact, oftentimes uh, I, I read about and hear about some of the wealth people possess, and I will be very blunt with you. My wife has heard me say it many times. Man, I'd love it if those people tithed uh, how many missionaries we could put on the field. read a great story years ago that a multimillionaire had uh, 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 taken out a ship and had one person with them, and they crash-landed on a desert island. Just those two folks. And the fellow that was with the multimillionaire was all discouraged and despondent, and that millionaire was smiling from ear to ear. And so his buddy said, what are you so happy about? We're stranded. There's nobody here. We're going to die. And that millionaire says, oh, I'm not worried. I got money coming out my pores. Fella looked at him and says, money doesn't matter here. There's no bank. You can't get to it. There's no cell phone. We're going to die. We're going to die. And that millionaire says, not me, buddy. I am a multimillionaire. I'm going to be fine. That fellow looked at him and said, you are kidding yourself. You're going to die out here with everybody else. And that millionaire put his hand up and said, let me rephrase. I go to a Baptist church. I tithe. My preacher's going to find me. Amen. It seems that those who have the most oftentimes seem to give the least because of Christ. And then you look at folks who can sometimes barely get by from month to month. Yet month after month, they'll drop their little bit in the offering plate. They'll give their 10%. They'll do their part. And I think about that and I think, God... Why don't you flip this thing around? Why don't you take those who are so faithful and pour out blessings upon them? God gives the answer to that. We'll look at it in just Not only financial prosperity, but think with me, if you would, this idea of power. The majority of the world's quote-unquote power brokers today are unbelievers. I'm... I'm, I'm convinced today that the majority of those who wield power, who dominate the world, are not people of God, and I'm not judging, but I am being a little bit of a fruit inspector. And it seems by the outcomes of their lives, the things that they place value upon, that they are not what I think of when I think of a sold-out Christian. Then I think about the idea of not just prosperity or power, but prominence. Majority of people today, not all of them, the majority of the people today who hold the attention of the world, people that are actors and actresses, singers, athletes, are, are, don't seem to be people of God. Again, not all of them, but the ones that seem to be revered the most are those who are not people of God or sometimes out there on the fringes of society, we recognize their names, their faces, their work, and sometimes we even pay our money to go uh, watch them uh, play a game, to watch them in a movie. Uh, they're prominent, prosperous, powerful, but just not people God. Everybody knows their name. While people who are wanting to do something for the cause of Christ seem to waste away in obscurity. Everybody knows their name. Everybody knows the sacrifice that they make. Nobody knows the things that they do every single day. And when Asaph saw that, he did a number to him. Messed him up. Who is Asaph? 
three things that we'll look at. We'll see how far we get, but three things that we'll look at. Number one, I want you to note with me his comprehension. What is it that he understood? Really, get a hold of that. I want you to go back again to verse number one. You see, this is an interesting little bit of study in English grammar. Oftentimes, we will look at the conclusion of a story, and it will be at the end of the, uh, uh, of the narrative. The end of the book, the end of the chapter, often will have the conclusion. But here, Asaph gives us his conclusion at the very beginning. He says in verse number one, Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. We're going to read down through some more of this tonight in verses specifically 2 through 14. And you're going to see that Asaph is a man who is on the spiritual edge. He doesn't start out talking about how good God is. He starts out saying, God, why is this happening? Why are things operating this way? He is not acknowledging God's goodness initially. He is scratching his head saying, God, why do things happen like this? Is Asaph. I think if you understand who he is, it might make you feel a little bit better when you question things yourself. And I will be clear with you, folks. I'm not saying, uh, 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 I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm pointing fingers at me as well. Because when I look at some of the things that some of the God's people go through, it boggles my mind. And have you ever noticed sometimes that adage is very true when it rains? Poor. You don't get hit with one thing, you get pounded with something and pounded with something else and pounded with something else. And it just sometimes doesn't seem to let up. I'm, I'm just going to be blunt. I've, I've, I've watched people walk out of my office after telling me all of the things that they're facing. I've looked heavenward and said, God, this don't make sense to me. These are your choice people. Why are they facing all of this stuff? It was Asaph. I think it will help you to recognize that if Asaph can face this, so can we. For sake of time, you don't need to turn, but let me go through this quickly. If you were to look tonight in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, you would see that Asaph was not only the author of 12 Psalms, he was one of three chief musicians appointed by David to preside over the services at the tabernacle. He was also elected in 1 Chronicles 15 of the Levites to lead the music when David brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. Asaph was selected to lead the Levitical choirs at the tabernacle in Jerusalem. Asaph's sons were entrusted with leading the 24 courses of musicians that served at the tabernacle. And later, these same sons participated at the, tabern at the dedication of the new temple of Solomon. Asaph in 2 Chronicles chapter 29 was called a seer, means a preacher or a prophet. His sons were influential musicians for years, and you can read about in 2 Chronicles them taking part in the revivals of Hezekiah, of Josiah, and Zerubbabel. Asaph's sons were also uh, there uh, giving praise and thanksgiving when the foundation of the second temple was laid after the 70 years of dispersion. What does all of that mean, preacher? This family were spiritual giants. These are people that are the backbone of the church. People who led the singing, uh, people who wrote the music, uh, people who led the music, uh, family that could be counted on. Uh, this were some of God's choice people, and uh, Asaph, uh, being one of the servants of God, uh, a spiritual giant, if you will, uh, is still confounded by the fact, why just suffer? I'll, I'll take it further. Not just why the righteous suffer. That's bad enough. Why do the wicked prosper? That's sometimes harder to take. I mean, the righteous suffering, that's tough. But the wicked prospering, that's even worse. That's harder to swallow, in my opinion. And so I submit to you that when, when Asaph looked at God's person, you see in verse number 1 that he talks about the fact that God is good to Israel. But when you look down verses 2 through 14, he didn't start out that well. 
Let's jump down if we can. Verse number, uh, 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 let's read verse number four. Kind of show you how deep he slipped into this pit of depression and despair. He says, Psalm 73, verse 4, there there are no bands. Let's go back to verse 3. I was envious at the foolish uh, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. There are no bands in their death. Their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. And you can keep reading and reading and reading. And he lays out this case of why are the, the wicked seeming to prosper so much? I mean, this really got to this man. It got to him to the point that he even says in verse number 2 that my feet were almost gone and my steps uh, had nigh slipped. Uh, In other words, uh, he says, uh, my feet spiritually are coming out from under me. Uh, I'm betraying God. I'm turning my back on my faith. Uh, I just can't wrap my head around the fact uh, that God's people suffer while the wicked seem to prosper. He dwelled on it. Surely a question for us. I want to go back to that he comes to in verse number one. Because it is something that needs to be the foundation from which we start this conversation. Look at what he says. After he goes through this spiritual turmoil and tribulation, it's to the point where he starts by saying, God Truly, I can't begin to describe some of the things that some of you have shared with me that you and or your loved ones are facing. Things that sometimes you don't want to disclose publicly that you're dealing with. You've just asked for prayer and I'm privileged and honored to pray for you. But I want to say to everybody tonight, Whatever you're facing, whatever pathway you're going through, whatever trial you're walking through, whatever storm you're facing, truly, God is good. He's better to us than we deserve. He's blessed us in ways that we could never thank him enough. Hey, not up. Got yourself out of bed, opened your closet door, had clothes to put on. Preacher, I didn't have the best. Join the club. You're not promised the best. You are promised he'd put your clothes on your back. Got in a car, turned it on, and praise the Lord, it cranked. You drove to church. You had a church. Had a Bible to carry with you. Preacher, I don't, have, I don't carry my Bible. I carry a tablet. You had a tablet. You had a $1,000 Bible to bring to church. Have God's Word. Got a blueprint. Got a family. Got a job. You got, got more food than you know what to do with. Man, I say this all the time. We open our cupboards, and they are stocked. We'll look at each other. What do you want for dinner tonight? I don't know. What you want? I don't know. Let's go to Clarence's. Amen. Amen. We have so much stuff that we'll stand there staring at it and convince ourselves we need to go to Walmart and get some more stuff. God's good to us. You heard Brother Eddie testify. There are God's people, some of them living under bridges. There are Vietnam vets and Afghan vets who sacrificed the ultimate for our country, uh, who did the ultimate and served our country valiantly, uh, who are living under bridges. My soul, folks, we have nothing to complain about. God, the two of Asaph got to that point. Start there. Got there because he understood God's performance. Not only did he understand, or excuse me, he understood God's person. Secondly, he understood God's performance. See, 
I want you to go down, if you would, please, to verse number 14. Jump down to verse number 14. Asaph really lays it out here. He bears himself bare. He says in verse 14, For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. (laughs) I love the fact that he even uh, uh, opens up about the fact that God's whooped him, God's chased him, uh, but he just can't seem to get past it. In verse 15, If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. Look at verse 16. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went to the sanctuary of God. Then understood I there. All them wicked folks that are so, so getting on his nerves. <laughs> All those wicked folks who seem to prosper. Asaph is just struggling with the fact that they're blessed over and over and they seem to prosper and, and I can't get past it. I can't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. And then I'm going to paraphrase. He says, and then I went to church. God's house. The bricks. Stand therein. All money world. Buy you heaven. All the power of the world. Not going to mean a thing when that heart beats its final beat. All the prestige, all the privilege, all of that stuff is just stuff. That breath gone. Stuff doesn't matter. Asaph stands back and it's like he's saying, I'm forgoing the blessings now so that I can be blessed then. I'm forgoing the goodness now, or what he classifies as goodness, so that I can be blessed then. So let, let's, let's circle back to where we started. Let's play God again. Let's play God again. Do you want a blessing for 15 minutes or 15 million years? Do you want the best for this amount of time? Do you want the best that lasts for eternity? A or B? B for all of it. So Asaph Stands back. And this is a spiritual giant. This is a man whose legacy continues long after he breathes his final breath. And he says, I get it. I understand. I get it. And I love this. He said, I got it at the church. It all made sense to me at the church house. I walked in and it just clicked. I may not have much here. But good golly, what I've got there. (laughs) I may not have the finest here, but boy, oh boy, what I've got there. And, And let's just be clear for a second. What you got here ain't so bad. Quickly, not only... I'm almost done. We'll, 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 We'll get into more of it next week, but not only his comprehension, but look at his confession. Look at his confession. I I want you to see in verse number three what the problem was. Go back to verse number three, and I'll show you what the problem was. It's the same problem that we face every single day. Some of you already got, some of you head of me. Verse 3, he says, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Like many of us today, Asaph had an eye problem. Not an eye problem. An eye problem. Asaph, 
Like many of us, we talked a little bit about it this morning, but Asaph uh, took his head off of the prize of this way. God is focused down here. I mentioned this in my Sunday school this morning, talking about Haggai. When we start making comparisons, we always come out on the bad side of that. When we start thinking about uh, the past or we start making comparisons to other people or we start making comparisons to other things or the churches or the family, whatever, we inevitably come out on the bad side of that. Look at me. God has blessed you as he's seen fit, and that's enough. That's enough. There are some that he's blessed in different measures, others that he's blessed in different ways, but he has given you and me exactly what he deems necessary and appropriate. And Paul said it like this, I have learned in whatsoever state I am in therewith to be content. Preacher that I love to follow from yesteryear said it like this, if you're not content in a little one-bedroom shack, you're not going to be content in a 20-bedroom mansion. Besides, who wants to clean 20 bedrooms anyway? Amen. A whole lot of dust. Asaph had an eye problem. I want you to stand with me tonight. I'm not even close to being done with this. Brother Ken, you, I don't want you to come. I just want you to stay there. Renee, come to the piano. You would. Just start playing Amazing Grace for me, honey, if you would. I want, to, I want to do two things tonight, a little bit different for a Sunday evening, because I just feel burdened. We, got, we need to pray for our country. We need to pray for our country. We need to pray for ourselves. I don't say that very often. We need to pray for ourselves to be in a position where God can bless us to the measure he sees fit. Get to the place where we say, God, I am content with what you have for me. So I'm just going to ask you to join me at the altar tonight. Let's pray for our country. Pray for our church. we got lots to pray about. You don't have to make your way down here. You, you can pray where you are, but I like praying at the altar. I'm going to lead us tonight just because I'm holding the microphone. I'm going to invite you to join me. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your blessings upon us. Lord, there's a roof up above us, shoes on our feet, food on our table. Lord, you've been so good to us. Lord, we understand the value of waiting on the Lord and getting God's best instead of rushing ahead of God and making a mess. Lord, we come to you tonight because our hearts are heavy over the situation that our country's facing. Spiritually, Lord, we're in a mess. Lord, our minds are losing the battle that you've clearly talked about in Romans 12 from this morning. We see this in our culture all the time. The mess that we seem to be involved in. And Lord, it just seems to get worse and worse. And Lord, we know we shouldn't be surprised, but just seems to get worse every day so Lord I pray that you bless our leaders Lord you've told us in your word to pray for them that have the authority over us so Lord I'm lifting them up to you tonight Lord I'm lifting up First Baptist Church there in Texas Lord bless that precious precious congregation of believers Lord evil just seems to get worse every day the actions and depravity of man just seem to be beyond our wildest imagination Lord I pray for this church Lord I thank you for this church I thank you for a core group of believers God who stand firm on the principles of the word of God and they don't compromise Lord I thank you that they follow the leadership that you've placed here Lord, I pray that you would bless us as we continue to labor in this community. Lord, as we continue to do that, what you've called us to do in the way that you've called us to do it. Lord, we confess to you that sometimes we have an eye problem. We 
get our eyes off of God. We take our focus below. Lord, when our head comes down, we're looking at the wrong thing. So when we start comparing and wondering why the righteous suffer or why the wicked prosper, help us, Lord, to look heavenward and understand that we're on the winning side. We're on God's team, and we've read the back of the book, and we win. In the meantime, there's work to do. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. You can look this way. Sing this with me tonight. Stay the amazing grace. Just stay in that. Sing it. Yeah, Jesus, sing it with us. Thank you for being here tonight, church. You're dismissed.